Lock on. Lock on. Lock 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 on. Lock 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 on. Lock lock on Cowboys. Lock on Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I, I'm, I'm discombobulated. You know, at this point, like two Thursday games in a row with one of them being Thanksgiving my schedule is all right, rocked, right. you know, and I'm sure the Cowboys are feeling the same way at this point because it's all just, you know, it's the whole today's Tuesday, but it's it's you know Friday thing, you know, it's I, I it's 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 messing with my schedule as well. It feels like yeah, it's a weird week. I mean, not only we it's been a last weird last couple of weeks, and we should be get used to this by now. I mean, we've how many years in a row have we done this? But it's still hard to figure out. Yeah. Um, Let's go ahead and get to your guys' Twitter questions. we got a bunch of them. I want to try to get through as many as possible. Um, Landon, let's go ahead and start with this one from Justin. Uh, he said, the Cowboys' secondary doesn't create a lot of turnovers. Uh, in fact, they have the fewest amount of interceptions from 2014 to 2019. I think they only have 27. Uh, they just don't create turnovers. Is it a scheme problem or is it a player problem? I mean, I... Uh, this this one really does perplex me because if you look at it, they've been through a variety of players and schemes. You know, I mean, sure. in, in, yeah. in, in, that, in that period time period, I mean, obviously they've kind of been in the uh, you know Seattle, formerly Tampa two cover three cover one type. Uh, they've done it all. They, well, they've been doing that specifically since. Um, you know, Marinelli showed up, and, and before that, with you know, uh, Monty Kiffin, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that's so they've been on that for a while. But even before that, even, you know, even when they were do, they were mostly a man team, and they were doing exotic pressures and stuff with Rob Ryan. You know, it's like even then, and and, and even back to Wade Wade Phillips. You know, like this team right. just didn't right. has not produced uh, a lot of turnovers uh, through interception. I would say. Uh, and so I, I yeah I really I'm all honestly perplexed by it. I, I, I think it's part of it is right now I think scheme based because of uh, they're it's more important that they deny the pass than force than force turnovers. I think even though they are focusing on stripping and trying to create turnovers that sort of thing, I, I think it's they they for some reason are good about uh, attacking the pass at the point of attack. But they are not good about coming down with the football, and again, it, it's kind of transcended scheme and players at this point. So it really is perplexing. The the frustrating thing to me is I, I agree with you that it's it's definitely a problem on both sides with coaching and players, but it doesn't seem like they've searched out guys in the draft that are natural born playmakers, right? Like I, I love Byron Jones. I, I think he's still underrated. But that's a guy that I think had one career interception at UConn. It's not like he's been a guy that gets around the ball a ton. Uh, Chidobia Wuzier, I believe, had one or two career interceptions at Colorado. Jalen Smith has one interception in his last 84 games. So for whatever reason, these are good players, but it just doesn't seem like they've been able to find 
you know, the playmaking type of players but, that are just but, around the ball. But to counteract that, they also traded up, you know, to go get Morris Claiborne. And, and, but it was Morris Claiborne a guy that created a lot of turnovers coming out of college? Because I don't believe he did. I, mean, he, I think he got his hands on enough football footballs that you could have felt like you expected more to get more interceptions out of him than you did. I'm Googling it. Let's see. Go ahead. But, I, 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 you know, I think that they've – you're right that I think that some of it is – 11 interceptions, by the way. Yeah, he, you're right. That's that, that one is mysterious. You me. know, I mean, that's what I'm saying is that I feel like it's one of those things where – you're, they have, you know, they've invested some something in here, but even when they've invested, they haven't gotten return. You know, so uh, I think now I will say, you're probably right that they probably do need to focus a little bit more on on that and 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 make more of a specific investment in playmaking defensive backs. But I feel like at the times that they have as well, they have not gotten the returns that I think most people expected from the players that they've drafted. I would agree. It's something that. It's going to have to change uh, if the Cowboys want to make a run uh, over the next month. They're going to have to find a way to get turnovers. They really have no other chance to compete with uh, with this defense right now. Um, let's go ahead and get to some other questions. Uh, I like this one. This one's from fake Stephen Jones. Uh, what was Jason Garrett's finest moment as a head coach? I, I feel like this is an interesting question. I feel like we're in the last uh, few weeks of the Jason Garrett uh, decade in Dallas. Uh, was there one moment or game that stands out to you, Landon? Um, man, there, I mean, there are there are lots of moments, but I, I, I mean, I think the, you know. The Can one, I give you one? The, I'll give you the one. one I mean, the one that I'm popping in my mind is the 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 day after uh mm-hmm. the, the 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 terrible car accident and with the, josh brent josh and then, price and they, yeah, yeah and then they, josh brent. And they yep. had the uh uh football they had the game it was in cincinnati right yeah i think yep. you know i mean i i think there have been other moments too where i mean he's shown you know solid leadership and he's shown that he understood his team and how to how to you know keep, look there's been lots of times when this team has had its back against the wall and fought their way through it, and he's a huge part of that, you know. And so I think this, like, I understand everyone's down on him. And look, I'm even to the point point now where I realize that this is not happening. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that there is a piling on effect that right now that is kind of blinding people to the fact that there was a lot of good stuff that he did for this team, and I think there's a lot of stuff that's good about the team that will continue past when he's gone he'll have an influence in a positive way i think past when he's gone but i don't you know like i think there's lots of these moments but I, to me the cincinnati one really sticks out yeah that that's the one i was going to pick uh the other thing that i would say as a whole around jason garrett is uh the team has been dominant inside the division and that does matter if you can go five and one six and oh in your division every single year you're going to give yourself a chance uh that I think that's going to be the case again this year. I think the worst case scenario is they go five and one in the division, and because of that, they're going to put themselves in a position to to make a playoff, or, you know, a playoff berth and to host a playoff game. So, uh, I, I do give Jason Garrett a lot of credit for designing teams uh, that can win inside the division. That that does matter. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll answer some more of your Twitter questions. All right, Landon, this one comes from Mark. I've heard the coaches like Xavier Suofilo over Joe Looney at guard. Uh, why do you think that is? Uh, I, you know, because I, I probably because 
neither are g- great in the run game probably playing guard. You know, I mean, I think both Looney and him are kind of underpowered guards. Um, right. I think Looney functions better there as a center because he can play center. Uh, right. And I think he's physically more of a, of a fit there. So uh, the, the the reason is probably that and that Looney has way more of his, his experience inside at center than he does at guard. So experience, I think, plays into it. And since neither one of them are, you know, physically dominant specimens as far as guards, uh, then I think the nod probably goes to Xavier Suofilo. Yeah, and I think it's a roster construction thing too, right? Yeah. It's just easier to have Looney be the, the backup center. Uh, so that way if, you know, you happen to get an injury at center or somewhere else, you don't have to change two positions to fix one hole. Uh, I do agree there. Uh the Cowboys desperately need Connor McGovern to get healthy, though, because I, I don't know if you've seen the L22 yet, but Xavier Suofilo yeah. was uh, about as bad as advertised last week. Yeah, and it's almost as if there was some group of people out here telling you that Xavier Suofilo was, in fact, ha- hashtag not good, guys. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not surprised. And, like, again, they, yeah. they could not uh, – you know, it's funny because – there's this this instance where people are going to point to the Cowboys' offense being more efficient at times than Xavier Suofilo, and that's by proxy of the fact that they're having to throw the ball constantly because they can't yep. throw the ball, they can't run the ball at all with Xavier Suofilo in the game. It seems like so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I it's 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 ugly. It's kind of an ugly situation at the, at left guard right now. I agree. Um, this next question comes from John, and it's a really good one. How come the Cowboys can't find a way to win close games this year? Last year, we were able to overcome deficits or close the game out with a lead. This year, I feel like the players lack the energy to overcome those situations. Uh, I I don't think it's a lack of energy. I think there's a couple certain things you can point to. Uh, And please correct me or debate me if you you don't agree with these. First of all, there's a lot of luck that comes in the late game situations when you're playing one-score games, Uh, you know, tip passes, you know, uh, interceptions, turnovers, those can all swing uh, games, especially if you're trying to play close games. Uh, it also doesn't help that the Cowboys have one of the worst field kickers, field goal kickers in the league in Brett Maher. Uh, he just hasn't been good in those situations. Uh, I'm not sure that the Cowboys can trust them there. And then it also doesn't help that the Cowboys' uh, defense doesn't create turnovers. And on top of that, they have the worst field position in the league. And, you know, they're averaging a starting field position of, you know, 25. So the Cowboys are having to go further down down the field to score points. Uh, They can't rely on their kicker, and they have a defense that doesn't create turnovers. So you combine all those together, and it's not hard to see why they're 0-4 or 0-5 in close games. Uh, What are your thoughts, Landon? I would just add in that, you know, you probably have – at least one or two of those games as well, at least one or two of those attempts as well that were ruined by, let's say, mystery calls. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like at, at sure. least at least two, I, I feel certain, were ruined by uh, bad calls near the end of the game that ended drives that were promising game. The New England drives. one especially. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that I think you know, that's that's two of them. Uh, the field goal kicking thing. I think the field goal kicking thing. Look, yeah, Brett Maher is a. Uh, there's two levels of kickers in, in in the NFL. There's good, and then there's everybody else. And really, yes, and, yeah. and frankly, there's probably only one good one, and his name is Tucker. So, yep. uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, 
outs- relying on your field goal kick. That was the thing. When the Cowboys had Bailey and Bailey was, you know, still Bailey, uh, it was an advantage to have. You know, because then you could you could re- rely on him in a way that you couldn't rely uh, on kickers. Yes, normally. I agree, hundred percent. So, so, yeah. so that played into your uh, uh, scheme and your late your late game, you know, scheming towards or in game planning, knowing that you had a guy that you could rely on making that kick. So, uh, without that extra advantage, um, you know, with teams kind of having a better beat on what. Prescott likes to do all the things you also mentioned, including defense not able to get turnovers. And then, you know, I, like you said, I think the biggest factor in a lot of this is luck. And uh, it the ball is not bounced the Cowboys way, uh, as it were. Yeah, I, I do agree with the, the Cowboys in like 2016, I think it was, when, or no, it was 2014 when they had Dan Bailey playing at the absolute peak of their powers. The Cowboys had no problem just trying to get to the fourth quarter to win games because – they had a, an elite quarterback with an elite offensive line, and they had a kicker who they felt really confident would make any kick inside of, what, 52 yards? Um, that's not the case this year. Uh, if I was the Cowboys over the next four games, we thought about potential adjustments that we would make. Um, for me, it would be going into games just assuming we're not going to kick a field goal unless it's an, or unless it's an extra point. We, we cannot count on our kicker at all. Anytime we get inside the 50-yard line, it's four-down territory. Let's game plan and call our offense to pretend it's fourth down. You know, you're going to go for it on every fourth down. So if it's third and five, I don't mind a run to get to fourth and one or fourth and two. I, you know, I, I don't mind that considering I know I'm going for it. I think even Baltimore, as good as Justin Tucker is, I think they're starting to kind of embrace that philosophy of once we get past the 50, we need to score touchdowns and not rely on our field goal kicker. I would like to see the Cowboys kind of adopt that philosophy over the next couple of weeks. Um, Lena, let's get to a couple more questions. Uh, people are wondering, wondering about John Kidna. If the Cowboys fire this, or not fire, they just let go of the entire coaching staff, is John Kidna somebody who could potentially stay on because he does have a strong relationship uh, with Dak Prescott? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's all on the table right now. I mean, I, I know everyone wants to talk about uh, you know the, the coaching moves and that sort of thing, and and I'm still saying that it's too premature to start talking about names and that sort of thing. I would say it's especially premature to be talking about you know assistant coaches and yeah, know. I agree. I mean, it's just there's just a lot of of uh, of you know things that have to happen. You know, the season not even just the season has to end, but like you, you kind of there's a carousel that happens. That's why they call it the coaching carousel. So you, you kind of have to see how. Uh, what jobs open up, what people lose their jobs, who becomes available. There's just a lot of things that have to be processed before you can say with any certainty. But, I, yeah, I mean, I think generally speaking, there's not a reason that you wouldn't want uh, to at least consider bringing Kitna back. And if the new administration uh, doesn't have someone specifically to bring in, I, I would not be at all surprised to see them bring back Kitna. Yeah, I, the coaching stuff is so difficult for me because I think – if I had to guess, the, the next Cowboys head coach is still coaching an NFL team right now. And that's what makes it so difficult. As I think we're looking at guys who are assistant coaches or college coaches, and I'm not even sure those are the best options for Dallas. I, I would not be surprised if the Cowboys try to go out and target uh, somebody who is currently coaching an NFL team now. Maybe a Mike Zimmer. Maybe a Sean Payton. Maybe the Cowboys try to be aggressive there. Uh, so I, I do think it's a little premature to talk about um, – 
potential head coaches. Um, Landon, this next one comes from Shane. Uh, the way Tyron is playing, which is still at a high level, uh, but would it be worth it to leverage him in the offseason to get a bundle of picks the way Miami did with Tunsil and try to use those picks to fix the defense? This one's difficult for me because I, I still think Tyron's a really good player who's been getting a really tough whistle over the year. Um, but it is it is a little bit nerve-wracking that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. I'm not sure what you can get from him uh, via trade, but is that is that something you would consider? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I would not trade Tyron Smith, who I still think when he plays well is one of the best players in the league. And on top of that, to me... I, I mean, trading uh, an offensive tackle to try to shore up your defense is not the best. I'm all against, not yeah. the best use nope. of your terms. Nope. Uh, so no, I'm. I, I would definitely. I, I, I listen I, again. I, I love people thinking outside the box, and I, I don't disagree with the idea generally of you know trying to get assets while they still have value. Um, but I would rather f- fix my way through. 13 games of Tyron Smith each season than whatever the bounty is I could get for him. And yeah, I agree. Because, listen, his value is at its highest when he's not being traded. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. you're, you're taking sure. a bath on Tyron Smith's value when you trade him. You know, the moment he becomes available for trade, his value is automatically decreased. He has more value mm. on the field for us in those 13 to 14 games that he plays every season. Uh, even when he's at eighty percent, just because he's that good, like he's he is that good. As much as he's beat up, and as much as they have to put up with stuff, he's one of the few guys that is worth putting up that stuff with because he's that talented. Yeah, and listen, I don't think he played very well in the Buffalo game, um, and partly do I. I just think he's one of these guys now that he needs a full week of not just practice, but time off to kind of recover. Because remember, he's got a bunch of different injuries he's going through now. He's got an elbow injury. He has a bad you know, lower back. It's not shocking to me that that offensive line, especially against a good Buffalo defense, uh, struggled a little bit. They're a little bit older. Uh, they, I, I expect them to play much better this week against Chicago. Um, our last question, Landon, why is everyone so sure that a change of coach will bring this team to a better place? <laughs> because you can't change the players. We need better players. The window for the offensive, the great offensive line has closed. I don't agree on that last part, but why are we so sure that a change of coaching staff will improve this team? Can you, can, what was that? Can you read that last sentence you said? The window what? Because the window with the great offensive line has closed. I don't. Yeah, I definitely don't agree with that. You know, I don't agree like with that last I, as yeah. much as everyone wants to you know, talk about the the demise. I mean, these guys are all still really young. I under I understand that 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 they've got you know clearly some issues that they're going to be dealing with you know probably for the rest of their careers. But uh, honestly, like, how much has Tyron Smith's back like been a huge problem this season versus last year it, you know what i'm saying like it was mm. I, i'm not saying that it's not going to be an issue but it it ne- wasn't nearly as much of an issue this season as it was before so I, i'm saying like i don't think it's such doom and gloom with that situation i also think that you have uh you know two really good young players still very young players in Connor Williams and Leo Collins, Collins who may be developing into one of the best tackles in football. 
Uh, and then you know, look, Zach Martin and and, and, and I think that that uh, that Fredbeard is going to get better. Like I, I mean, I, and I, I think do. he has been getting better. I just think that everyone assumed that it was going to be a situation where, oh, he's back. He's you know he's off the he's off the injured reserve. He's you know it's it's his arm. He's right back to yeah, all pro. His, level, his yeah. broken arm is healed, so now he should just play like he played before. And, and, right. and I think without understanding the nature of the – not that I can understand the nature of the condition, but fr- from what it sounds like, you know, it's not just like riding a bike. You know, it's it's it, having to kind of reteach himself and re-remember uh, a lot of the, thing, you know, movements and stuff that he did. And I think if you watch his play develop over time, it's gotten better and better. So I, I disagree with that last sentence I, uh, as well, but I strongly agree with the first part. I, I think that there is an assumption, and this is what I've been saying for a while now. There is an assumption that uh, you get rid of Jason Garrett, you bring in somebody else, and that's what's going to take you to the next level. You should be there, you know, twenty twenty, and all will be good. There's a very high likelihood that a coaching staff change, you know, de- depending on who it is, this team may take a step back. Uh, you know, there's a very likely high likelihood that this team makes a step back and then doesn't ever take that step forward again or not again, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, listen, I, I'm even the biggest Jason Garrett. Um, I, I don't, Crit- hater, critic, I don't know critic, critic, let's say sure. Critic. Sure. But I think you're right. There's certainly a chance that that happens, but I think what you're weighing is, I think we've seen maybe the ceiling with this Jason Garrett team. I agree. I, I, I'm not trying to yeah. make the argument. Right, right. I'm not trying to make but it, I, but I think that's, but I think that's why everybody is okay. Making the move. I think, I think people need to realize there's certainly a, a pretty good chance oh, that this yeah. team goes from being, you know, first place or competitive every single year to back to six and ten, yeah. seven and nine over the next couple of years. And I and I think for me, I'm at a point where I'm okay with that because of the potential upside of getting a coach who could dramatically improve the roster, such as or not improve the roster, but just improve the team. For example, you saw what the difference between Jeff Fisher and Sean McVay was, or the difference between Mike McCarthy and and Matt LaFleur was. I, I think there's a potential there where you get a better coaching staff and all of a sudden your team improves by two or three wins. I, I, I certainly think that's possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, to me, it, it, I, I, I understand that that's where you are at, and I'm, I'm certainly you know there to a certain degree. I, I think, to me, it's more most mostly about the idea that I feel like that a vast majority of Cowboys Nation that is asking for this has not considered the idea that this may not work. You know what I'm saying? Like that this this that this may not be the best. That, that that we're taking a chance here. It's not just you know, uh, oh, we'll do this and then this will happen. We don't right. And I think there's a we don't there's know what's going to happen. Too, that yeah. the, the, the next head coach that comes in says, hey. This player, this player, and this player, I know you've been good for us, but we're going to move on yeah. because you don't fit our scheme. Yeah. Uh, and that could, I mean, that's going to probably decrease the talent level of this team, and I think that's going to get people upset. But, again, you're weighing it as the odds of the chance, you know, the, the percentage chance that the Cowboys can take the next L- la- It won't be surprising if the Cowboys move on from some pretty good players this offseason. Last thing I'll say, I think that the thing you have to be as a fan is it's okay to want what you want, but I think it's unrealistic to only be happy if the Cowboys win and and win the way that you predicted or wanted. 
You know what I'm saying? You have to be flexible sure. enough to just root for your team and say, oh, you know what? I was wrong about this, dude, but I'm so glad because we're winning ball games. you know, this and this and that. So I think that there is a lot of that in Cowboys Nation where they won't root for the, the guy unless it was the guy they wanted specifically. And I think a little more flexibility will make for a happier Cowboys fan. You're saying Cowboys Nation does that from time to time? They <coughs> root for guys that they time like Time to time, or... yeah. Yeah, I would say, all, all the time is how I would say that. Man, it's news to me. Yeah, I don't I'm think I've sure, ever done that. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> all right, that is it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.